Good morning, everybody. Okay, hey, we'll, we'll get it figured out. Amen. <clears throat> you know what, let's pray, and, uh, and we'll go before the Lord. Father, we worship you, we trust you, we love you, and we thank you. We thank you that you are the Lion of Judah. We thank you, God, that you don't do anything that is outside of your plan. You move and live and breathe according to your will. See, Father, we trust in that because you see the end from the beginning. You see all of history and all of future in the same frame. What an extraordinary thought. That very thought alone, as we embrace it, gives us insight into your word that we would not otherwise have. Because when we read your word, it's so natural to look at it as history. And yet, so much is to be applied in this moment. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, and I know I speak for everyone here, but I stand before you hungry. Hungry for what you have, hungry for you. We trust you. See our hearts as baby birds in the nest with mouths wide open, ready to receive what you have. I ask, Father, that you fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you speak what you desire, nothing of my own. As I have come up here with nothing. I have only what you have to give. Prepare even my heart to receive what you have according to your will. Because we trust you. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanted to just say first how excited that I was for Friday night. That we have a new couple in our midst that we're, we're two and now are one. And, and that's Isaac and Casey. Have you changed your name yet? On Facebook. Awesome. There you go. That was pretty quick. <laughs> I think that took Alexis a bit. So how's marriage been so far? I mean, it's been a whopping two days. That's awesome. No, we're we're just so incredibly excited for you guys and so thankful for you guys. And uh, I'm excited for what the Lord has in store and what he's going to do in your lives. This last week, 
all right, I'm going to try because I, I cannot just not walk. So if I start to go like this, I'll try and follow the, you know, for those of you who don't know, I shake. But this week has been an interesting week for me. First of, the last three weeks have been insane. Just the busyness, and I know it has been for so many other people, and, and just trying to cram in, you know, three times more in an already busy schedule, right? And, and that seems to be a sign of the time, seems to be kind of what's going on, and, and God is getting us used to that sort of schedule, that sort of thing. So one thing that's easy to do in that, and I want to encourage you in this, is don't give up your time with the Lord. Don't, because he's the one who makes your time efficient. He's the one who makes it worthwhile, right? So don't, don't cut out the very thing that you think is not what produces something in the quick moments of your life, but make it first, make him first. And, and so this week, it's, it's interesting, and I, I, I'll share because I have ways of doing that. And, and Paul alluded to it where he, when he said that he prays without ceasing. Does that mean he's in some prayer closet 24-7? No, obviously not. You want to talk about a busy person, that was Paul. His life was, in every manner of looking at it, insane. If you were to take his life and place it in today's thing, you would think, Dude, how could you even go on with that kind of faith with what you've been through? But yet he prayed without ceasing. What that really is, is in relationship with Jesus Christ, we develop conversation with him. We develop a way of communication both ways. Not just in us praying to him. Because that, that's pretty easy. I mean, we kind of we learn that, maybe not the intimacy of it, but we kind of learn that even as little kids, right? Okay, let's all bow our heads and pray. So we learn that early. What we don't learn until later, until we've opened ourselves to relationship with him, is the fact that there's a whole other side of that conversation. And it, it, it's found in the Word of God because the Lord speaks to us through His Word, but He also speaks to us individually. And if you're confused about that, ask any Christian that has said, well, I felt the Lord tell me to do this. I felt the Lord lead me to do this. Why did you come to church this morning? Well, maybe it was out of tradition. Maybe it was out of... I don't know, maybe your spouse forced you. (laughs) Or maybe it was because you felt led. You came because you felt this leading to come. That is the communication I'm talking about. That comes in many forms. It's certainly in his word. We can look up all of the aspects of, of his word that teach us how to do things in life. But it comes in many other ways as well. It comes in in a conscience. He convicts us of sin. That's one of the one of the jobs, if you will, of the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin. But more than that, He desires to build relationship with us, to literally talk with us, 
to use us in ways that he would do if he is here on this earth. That requires us to be in relationship with him. And Jesus was the one who taught us this. You know, there's a lot of misnomers about Jesus and and when he came to this earth. Because if you think he came here as God, to act as God, to do everything in his life as God, then you don't understand the word of God. Because he didn't. If he did it that way, how in the world could he show us how to move? Now, let me be clear. He never stopped being God. He, before he came and was born of the virgin, he was God. He was part of the Trinity. He was the Son of God. He inserted himself into creation, his own creation, and came and was born into humanity. By doing that, he by choice then put himself in a position to teach us, to show us. The Bible said that he became ready in faith, that he learned obedience. Now, it's not obedience like you and I, like we sin, we get punished, and we learn obedience. Okay, it's different because he could not sin. He was not born of the same flesh that we were born of. But yet he also did not act as God. He, he spoke the words of the Father, and that's what he even said. He said, I come only to do the will of my Father, to speak the words that he gives me to speak. But do you not think that he could have done all that as God? I mean, when he faced the Pharisees and Sadducees and was so upset with them and their lies and how bad they took people astray, couldn't he have just said, gone with you, be dead? And they would have been. Of course. Could he have shut their mouths up to where they couldn't speak and they would be mute? Yes, of course. But what that does is the fundamental thing that God will not do. He will not take away your choice. He will not take away my choice. He will not take away your choice. He will not take away anybody's choice. Because it's by that very choice that we actually have something valuable to give him. It's our yes. It's our faith. It's our belief. Our desire for him, what we don't see, what we don't hear, but we know by faith, we can choose to give him. Wow, what an extraordinary gift. You know, faith is no small an item. It is huge to God. In fact, he said, without faith, you can't even please him, he said in Hebrews. You can't even please him without faith. And more than that, the measure of faith 
is what pleases him more and more and more. He spends his entire word telling his people to grow in faith, to trust through faith. That very thing that we can't see. So the communication is two ways. As we grow in faith, we learn his voice. As we read his word, he confirms his voice. Don't let the world tell you that God does not pay attention anymore. Don't let Christians tell you that God does not speak anymore. That he only spoke in these 66 books written by over 40 authors. That's that's incorrect. Because there is a personal aspect to God's voice that he applies to each and every one of us because he didn't take away our choice to say yes or no. So he lays that out for each one of us. So in the busyness, that was a long time to get around to what I was going to say, in the busyness of where we are, that constant communication happens no matter what you're doing. It, it, was, it was awesome. One of, one of the things that, and perhaps Tewasay will, will see this, but <laughs> there were some things that I had to get done out front because Tewasay is coming back with us from Nigeria in a couple of weeks and he will be at our house. And most of you who, who have been to the gifts meeting know it looks or looked like a war zone out there with the work that I was doing, and I couldn't just leave it there. I mean, I could, but I was not allowed to leave it there like that. We'll just say it that way. And so for the last two weeks, two and a half weeks or so, I have been out in this insane hot weather, lugging all in all about 6,000 pounds worth of stone, and putting in this walkway and putting in this wall and putting in all this junk and realizing that I am not 25 anymore. <laughs> Amen. There you go. Thank you. Paul knows where I'm at. But in all that time, you can listen to music. You can throw something else on. You can talk to the Lord. You can communicate with him. One thing I love to do, uh, for, for me, I, I love to sit down and read and dig apart the word of God. But for me, the best way to ingest the word of God, if I'm not studying a specific thing, is to hear it. I hear and receive more when I hear than when I read. Maybe it's multitasking. Maybe it's that I threw away my glasses when I was five and wouldn't wear them. Sorry, Mom. I don't know what it is, but uh, I, I read when I am studying. But to ingest, I listen. And, and that's, there are so many good Bible apps, but uh, what is the one we have, Lex? It's, the, it's just called the U version of the Bible app. And, and I, I have it on there. I have it on the New Living Sometimes I'll change it between that and ESV or something else, but, but uh, I'll just listen. And, and the beauty of that is, is it'll take me through the entire Word of God 
three or four times in a year. But then the Lord will have me focus on something. And, and this past about three days, the Lord had me focus on the book of Isaiah just over and over and over again. I, I probably listened to it five or six times. And out of that, he started to highlight different things. This is communication with him. Lord, what, what does this mean? Or, or I'm listening, and now sometimes if, if you're in the middle of work, you can't stop it, and then, oh, let me go and, and just, just dig in a little deeper. But you make a mental note, and by the, five, by the fifth time you've heard it, then it's like God screaming, yes, go spend some time there. And then you do. That's how it's been for me this the, the last few weeks. And, and it was really extraordinary in the book of Isaiah. There is so much in there that I used to apply to anything but these times. Right, I mean, there are promises in there that, that are kind of, you know, over everything. But, but the specific coming together of his plan... I used to kind of put Isaiah into a category of, yes, that's what he's going to one day do with Israel, or that's what he did. There's a layer of it that he did then, you know, with Babylon and with the captivity and all that stuff. And boy, he showed me differently this week. There is more, I'm going to say this to you, there is more in the book of Isaiah that applies to the time we are in right now than any other time. In history. That's a pretty bold statement, especially if you look at the book of Isaiah and you read it historically. And, and even, even theologians are confused about the book of Isaiah because they fight about whether it was, whether they were both written by Isaiah or if there were two different authors or, or maybe Isaiah went through a huge life change halfway through and then switched and all this stuff. And none of that's true. It was written by Isaiah. Really, it was written by the Holy Spirit. But so much of it applies to today. And he, he highlighted a chapter to me that I have spent so much time this last weekend. And, and I, I want to take you there because in that song that we sang, I, I don't know about you guys, but, but when, when we sang um, uh, about the, the lion, you know, let the lion roar. Man, that was overwhelming to me because he is, he is right now. And what is coming is something that we don't see yet, but in the spirit realm, they see it and they live in fear. The enemy does. I want you to turn to Isaiah 42 and we're going we're gonna to go to verse 10, but the first nine verses talk about, and I, I won't go into that now, but talk about a, a servant that he uses to accomplish his will. But when we start singing that song, this is what it brought to my heart. Let's start at verse 10. Sing to the Lord a new song. And again, this is Isaiah 42, verse 10. 
his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants. Let the desert and its cities lift up their voice, the villages that Kidder inhabits. Let the inhabitants, the inhabitants of Selah sing for joy. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. The Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war. He stirs up his zeal. He cries out. He shouts aloud. He shows himself mighty against his foes. I'm going to stop there just for a second. See, this was the response to what God had called out in his servant in the first nine verses. That what he has called out is bringing God's justice here on earth. Now recognize something. God always uses people. God does not come down and just wipe everything out and change everything without using at least a remnant. Every time in the Word of God. And there's a reason for that. It's because of what I said a little earlier. It's because of that gift that He gave us of choice. God will never forego our choice because He wants us to choose Him. That's real love, by the way. Love wouldn't be if He came down and forced His choice. Love is when He says, Here's who I am. Here's what I did. I give you free will to choose what you want to choose. It's up to you. I don't want you as a slave. I want you as a son and a daughter. And he gives us free will. So in that, he is calling people to bring about that change even now. That's the first nine verses. But then he goes into what we just read. And he said, by faith, sing loud. Sing loud what is coming. Sing loud what he is doing. Sing loud his will. Shout it from the mountaintops. Speak it to the coastlands. Say it. Declare it. Let people know about it. What are we to let them know? Verse 13. The Lord goes out like a mighty man. Like a man of war, he stirs up his zeal. He cries out. He shouts aloud. He shows himself Mighty against his foes. There is no more waiting, guys. The Lord is coming to do His will. Because His people have cried over it. And He has heard their voice. He's coming to do this. He is infusing it in those who would believe. Those who are blind... But believe anyway. Those who can't hear. But believe what he says. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, we are not. Hold on, let me get my ticket. Okay, I'm going to go up to heaven right now so I can hear face to face what he's saying. So I can know what he's saying. We don't have that. We don't have that capability. 
honestly, I don't have that desire. Because if it is faith is what pleases him, then faith is what I can give. So I'm blind. I'm not in heaven. I'm not seeing the earth outside of the aspect of time. I'm blind to that. I'm deaf to that. But I believe. So through his eyes, I see. Through his ears, I hear. And I shout out to the coastlands, giving him all the glory, saying he's coming as a man of war. He stirs up his zeal. And then the Lord begins to speak in verse 14. And if this doesn't make you shudder, I don't know what will. For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. That's a really interesting analogy. <laughs> Got to be honest. Never been, in, been a woman in labor myself. I know people might want to try and identify as that. Okay. You're real confused if that's the case. Can't happen. But I have been there. I have seen it twice in my wife. I've certainly heard it with others. We have all heard it. We have all, in some ways, been made aware of it. So he uses this as an analogy. Like a woman in labor, I will gasp and pant. A woman who finally goes into labor, and all all you women here can confirm this, if you would, since I can only do it through through, you know, inflection. But when you go into labor, what is the one thing you want to happen? (laughs) You want it to be done. Yeah, you want it to be over with. You want that baby to be out. You want it to be done. You recognize the pain that you are in. You recognize the pain that you have to go through. And when you bear down and push, and fight, it is with the absolute knowing that that is what will bring that baby. That's God. That's God right now. That's what he says right here. Now, you can believe this is for today or not. That's up to you. Man, I'm going to encourage you, don't shut that door. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart and know this is for right now because God is not waiting anymore. He is doing this. He is doing this. And he said, for a long time I've held my peace. I've kept still and restrained myself, but I can't anymore. I can't anymore. It's time. And I have heard the cries of my remnant. So what will he do? Verse 15. I will lay waste the mountains and the hills. Dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands and dry up the pools. I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. Let's go back to verse 15. You read that and you say, okay, wait a second. I take it back. I really don't want you to do that because that's not good. 
You're going to lay waste the mountains. You're going to dry up all the vegetation. You're going to make everything desolate. Wait a second. What did I agree to? (laughs) I, I don't know that I want you to do that. This is the faith that he's wanting you to have right now. Because as we're stepping into this time, it looks more and more like the enemy is winning. It looks more and more like the enemy is gaining greater foothold. Man, certainly politically. I mean, I I don't know about you, but if this country expects me to have a confidence in the November 2nd election coming up, then you better look at the 2020 election. You better figure out all the problems that were there. I don't have a confidence in it. Well, I go vote. Yeah, although I have have this strange feeling we're not going to make it that far. Maybe we will. And if we do, I'm going to go vote. I'm going to do my part in it. But my expectation is not that this country is going to fix it. If they stole it in 2020, they'll steal it again in 2022. They will, because it's not those people doing it. If you can't see in your mind to get past the physical aspect of this world and recognize that there is something coordinated behind them, then you're going to be real confused. There is a coordinated effort by the enemy. A coordinated effort to work all of those that are within his realm of agreement into bringing about this confusion, into bringing about these lies. But God, but God. Remember, God is the one in control right now, not Satan. God is the one in control. He is letting out enough rope for Satan to hang himself on. And you see it every day. You see transparency come every day. You see these lines that are drawn and people finally saying which side they're on every day. It comes out every single day. That's been happening for the last year and a half, two years. And now what you start to see is you start to see this battle on the other side. This battle on the side of the enemy, and I'll just keep saying the enemy. What I mean by that is in the spirit realm, those who are controlled by the demonic. Those who are controlled by Satan. Those who, who walk in their own lusts walk in their own desires, have no thought for God, have no thought for the Creator, just walk in their own desires. They're controlled by the enemy. That's who I'm referring to when I say that. So now you're starting to see them fight amongst themselves. I mean, the Lord said that would happen. He gave us that prophecy a long time ago. And it's hilarious to see it happening because they don't know what to do. I think even right now they're making plans for the November 2nd election. I do believe this. 
There's only one reason that I could think of that I believe will have that election before the hand of God moves. And that is because the enemy will be forced, his hand will be forced, even more than in 2020, to go in and manipulate it. And the evidence will be fresh. That's the only thing I could think of. Now, I've got I to gotta be honest with you. I'm, I'm praying, Lord, don't wait that long. Although, man, time flies. I mean, we're already in September. This is insane. It, it felt like it just became 2022 to me. I don't know what the deal with that is. But whatever happens, it will be for the exposure of the enemy. Don't think they're just getting away with it. God has said so many times in his word, we don't get away with anything. Now, I understand how easy it is to react and say, well, yeah, when we're standing before God, we don't. And that's the truth of it. Because when we stand before the Lord after this life, we're responsible for everything we did. The world who has not accepted him is responsible for everything they did. But recognize that it is here, it is now because of what God said he would do with his bride. Isaiah has a lot to say about that. Isaiah goes over it and over it. This reading of the bride that we've been talking about for a while. This, this bride that literally God is planning to, it, this is a bad term, but, it, but I'll, I'll explain it, to rule the world. Okay, and what, I, I speak that in the same sense that Jesus will rule the world in the thousand year reign. With the bride, Revelation 3, 9, Jesus will rule the world through his bride. Not that his bride will take control themselves. Now, if they do that, they're, they're no better than the other side. It's literally people beginning with this remnant that say, yes, I trust you, whatever you want, Lord. I just want to be a pure conduit of you. When we start there, he then prepares our hearts, prepares our lives to do that very thing. And then he uses those people. Jesus said, we're going to rule with him. I used to always think, well, yeah, that's, that's after I'm in heaven, then I come back and there's the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we go and we get to be here for the thousand year reign and we get to rule with him. And No, guys, it's right now. It's right now. Jesus is taking it right now. Even now, he is putting his army together. Even now, he is putting those people with a passion in their hearts into places of all seven mountains of influence. Even now, he and this might be the toughest one, but even now, he's rising up people to actually have a testimony in Hollywood. What in the world? Hollywood? How in the... How in the world is that even possible people that love christ in hollywood they get sidelined they 
don't go anywhere. Well, how about what's about to happen will be the opposite of that. It will literally be led by those who have given everything to Jesus Christ. And the world's going to see it. This is what is upon us. This is what is coming. This is what the Lord is doing. And it's happening quickly. Because I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure God does not want to have a long labor. Nobody does, right? No, man alive, you get to where it's, it's time to have the baby. It's like, okay, let's do it. Let's get done. Let's get it over with. Because then is the bliss of that precious child. Don't you think God feels that way? That's, that's what he said. That's why he used that as an example here. Verse 16, I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things that I do, and I do not forsake them. He's talking about us. He's talking about his children. That's what he wants to do. He records us as blind, not because we're blind to him, not because we're blind to his will, but because literally we believe what we hear from him and what he says over what we see. We're blind to the lies of this world, even though we see it. Even though we see what's going on in the world, we don't believe it because we believe him. That's why he calls us blind here. But it's not in the sense of, oh, blind fool. It's in the sense of, you've trusted me. You believe I will guide you. I'll give you assistance. I'll take your hand and walk you through where you need to go, because he is bringing this devastation. It's not that he's going to throw us into the devastation. He's going to walk us through it. You know, the children of Israel, when they were coming out of Egypt in the great exodus, they were held back from the plagues. Right? When darkness came, which I think that was the ninth plague, if I recall correctly. When darkness came, it was dark all over Egypt. In fact, they said they couldn't even see the hand in front of their face. But yet, the children of Israel, just right over from there. It's kind of like, it's dark in in, uh, Wilmington, but oh, there's light in Newark. It's not like Delaware versus California. Right? It was right next door. They were in the land of Goshen is where the Israelites lived. They were right next door and they had light. They were protected from all of those things. That's how he guides. That's how he takes our hand and moves. There is a darkness coming. 
there's certainly a darkness upon us, if you want to use that as a metaphoric term, man, the darkness has been here for a while. And it's going to get darker. It's going to get a lot darker. But in the darkness, and the darker that that becomes, the light shines brighter. He's literally setting the stage for you and I. He's setting the stage for us to be a light to those who also are blind but don't know him, don't even know to take his hand, don't even know to be guided by him. That's why the scripture says that ten will come up to one and say, and grab their their robe and just say, I want what you have. I see God's smile upon you. I don't even know what that means, but I want it. In that thought, it's not hard to recognize the billion soul harvest, the revival that is at our doorstep. It's coming. It's here. God is about to reveal. I, there's so much he's shown me that I'm not allowed to say, but I can tell you this. He is about to reveal some things that will blow your mind in how he is going to take your hand and guide you through these difficult places. Not to just get you through. That's not why. He could remove us from it. He could take us and place us somewhere and, you know, kind of put a big wall around us and we're all fine until the world gets all straightened out. But he wants us in there. That's why he takes our, takes our hand and guides us, because we have a responsibility for those who don't know. We have a responsibility for other Christians who will not believe. Guess what? Many of them are going to believe. Many. They're going to believe when they see, just like Thomas did. They're going to believe when they see. Some will not have that opportunity. Some will not. Because they will be caught as collateral damage. Whatever term you want to use it for. But if they don't believe and they don't take God's hand to be guided through this maze and they try to walk through this maze themselves, they're putting themselves in grave danger. Not danger of losing their salvation. They're saved. They'll go to heaven. But danger of what God, the one that they worship, is actually doing right now. He is rising up his remnant to be that light. You have a responsibility to walk as that light right now, which means what it said a few verses earlier, raise up your voice. This is not the time to hide. I speak this to pastors. If you will not speak truth of what's going on today, get out of the pulpit. Get out. You not only put your people at risk, but you put yourself in grave risk. God will not tolerate it. He won't. We're in a different time. I don't know about you, but, and, and I don't, I don't want to keep, I don't mean to keep 
bringing up the analogy of having a baby, but God's the one who did it, so I could say that he did it. Who is the last person that you want to cross? Yeah. Yeah, a pregnant woman. Yeah. That's the last person. Honey, come on, it's not that bad. You know, the, the pains are now, you know, 30 seconds apart. Come on, it can't be that bad. Be a trooper. Rub some dirt in it. <laughs> Those of you who understand how they train in SEAL teams will understand that. I don't really mean to rub dirt in it. <laughs> but they're the last person you want to cross. They're the last person that you won't, you don't want to just, I will be in full agreement, whatever you want. I remember parts of that was an awesome thing when my wife was pregnant. You want some at 2 o'clock in the morning? I am all for that. Can we get pizza? <laughs> Honey, where do you want to go? I'm sure I can find a Dunkin' Donuts. They open at 4 o'clock. Now, the funny thing is she didn't want any of that. She won broccoli or something stupid like that. I'm like, I'm like, I am here for you, but I will have the donut. You have the broccoli, I will have the donut, but we are both up and I am for you, 100%. No matter what, there is no way I'm getting in her way. And, and I know that's kind of funny, but it's true. Why do we even think we want to get in the way of God as he is moving in this way? Oh, my goodness. You know, at the very least, if you don't believe, shut your mouth, go hide in a corner, and pray that it goes by you. At the very least. Those who open their mouths against the move of God will be found as collateral damage. The Lord has told me that over and over and over again. Don't test God in this way. You could choose to believe my mouth or not. I don't care. Ask him yourself. You are about to see millions and millions of people in the bride die. Do you understand that? Lord told me a quarter of the bride. Oh, that's tough. Now it's not it's not just a quarter that doesn't believe. So I'm I'm assuming that there is a heart of the others that will believe. And that they will be as Thomas when they see they'll believe and they'll stand strong. But there will be some that don't. That doesn't even count those who will die in the world. I was just telling you the bride. The devastation that is coming upon us in the next two and a half years is to bring about those birth pains, to bring about that birth. To bring about the ruling of his children, literally the ruling of Jesus Christ on this earth. To show Israel that that's what he want, wanted to do with them and still wants to do with them. Romans 11.11, 11, to make them jealous. 
he said, so many things are coming to my mind about Isaiah from listening, but I, I don't remember exactly where they were, but But he has cried out over and over again to his people to just believe him. Just believe. Just believe. Just believe. And we could point it out with Israel, but it's not just been Israel. It's been the bride. For 2,000 years, the bride has turned around, taken his free gift, and then controlled their own lives. He's done with that. He's done with that. Because there is a cry of a remnant that has bent his ear, that he has heard. Call it his timing. Call it their fervency. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I just know he heard. And I know that he is doing something about it. The time in which we live right now is the most extraordinary time in history. Save when Jesus walked the earth. But even that, he said that the time in which we're in that was coming, he said, well, even more will be done. Not because we're greater than him, because he's in heaven He has the Father's ear, and he is working through his Holy Spirit, through his people. This earth has not seen what's about to come. The miracles. The healings. The devastation. The calling out of his judgment. Verse 17, just finished. They are turned back and utterly put to shame who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, you are, God, you are our gods. I want to say something here just to close. Don't assume that's just Old Testament stuff and that's just Bible stuff. and Nobody here worships an idol. No, ours might be more electronic. See, worship is what we put our effort and our focus into. It's what takes our focus when it's not put on God. It's what takes our focus away from God. Don't assume that doesn't apply to you because you didn't carve out some little Buddha and say, you are my God and I worship you and no. Oh, you know, I carved that kind of funny. Let me carve another one so it's a better God. It's kind of silly, isn't it? But yet that's what we do. I know young people, that's what we do as gamers. I'm not saying gaming's bad. I mean, I love to play. I mean, probably the only good game is Ghost Recon. But aside from that, I'm not saying gaming's bad, but if it takes your life and your focus, yeah, it's bad. If playing golf takes your life and your focus away from God, it's bad. It's an idol. If watching the news 
watching TV, watching Hollywood, whatever, takes your focus away from God, it is an idol. And it's bad. One of the greatest lies that Satan has been able to develop is through technology saying we don't need God anymore. That guy, what's his name, Noah Harari or... Can't remember his first name. He makes me sick. He makes me sick. God is well. Yeah. He made a statement I, I saw recently about how technology has allowed us to be as gods, and now to even go past God. He he always calls him the God of the Bible. I think that's extraordinary because he never says God isn't real. He never says that God is not there. He always just quantifies him as the God of the Bible. And he says because of technology, we could go further than him. We can now begin to create. He said, God, all, all God really did was created some plants, some animals, you know, created humans. We're going to go past the God of the Bible, and we're going to create the perfect human. That sounds like movies to me. Right? I mean, anybody see Terminator? I mean, seriously, listen to him talk, and he's talking about, you know, building these cyborgs where they're like human flesh, and they've got these computer brains, and I'm thinking... Okay, that's like having Arnold Schwarzenegger come after you. And he can't be killed. I don't know about you, it just seemed ridiculous to me, but yet it is from his heart. He knows the God of the Bible is God. He knows it, but he believes that there is a way to surpass him. Who does that sound like? Sounds like Satan. Because it is. It is. Don't let these times fool you. Don't put your head in the sand. Know what's going on. Fight what's going on. Open your mouth and shout it from the mountaintops what Jesus is doing. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself a bystander in a very difficult time. Lex, come on up. Before we pray, um, it's interesting. Everything that he's talking about, you know, he mentioned he loves the the song um, Lion. And literally what God is doing and how he is going to roar is through his bride rising up, who, the remnant rising it is the voice of the remnant that will be the roar as Jesus rules and reigns through his people in this time. It's, some people see it as the roar of, the, of Jesus himself in the rapture. But remember, that's the part of the readying of the bride that's left out. And so the roar is what he is trying to build within us. And I, I've often heard people say, you know, especially when they look at the political landscape and they're like, what can I do? How can we get, get involved and how can we, you know, do this or do that? It's really a laid down life before the Lord, spirit filled and 
willing to believe who God is and who we are in Christ Jesus, that is all that's needed because with that faith growing and walking in purity, we then are just empowered by the Holy Spirit to deal with all this rise of what I see as a preemptive roar of Satan right now. That's the rise of all the darkness. You know, there was this sad, sad um, story. I'm sure it was in an article, too, but it was a, a, something in the news that I just happened to overhear of one of the many, many cases of crime where this man um, took a lead pipe and just, just started to beat a, a, another man on the street in a walker trying to get away from him. The, the larger man just took this huge pipe and just struck him and, of course, killed him, just totally struck him dead. He had been in and out of jail and, you know, paroled and all this thing. Um, he was asked with this particular crime, not a first-time offender, he said, he was asked, why? Why did you do this? And his answer was, I have to do the devil's work. That was a demon talking. See, right now, what the bride misses in, we're aware of the rise of crime. We're aware of these, this darkness. But when we don't look at it spiritually and see that we are watching the manifestation of demoniacs around us, these people so utterly and totally taken over by the, the demonic realm. And yet, what are we against that? Man, a spirit-filled, faith-filled, on-fire, remnant Christian that knows Jesus, knows who God is and who they are in him. There is no contest when you stand against some of these things. And I was thinking about that as Greg was speaking because one of the photos at the bottom of the, the display for Nigeria is when we were actually dealing with um, a girl that became very violent in Nigeria in one of the, um, the IDP camps and, again, was just taken over by demons. And in dealing with her, it was God that flowed powerfully through Michael at the time and then actually Greg actually dealt with her as well. And you probably had heard the story in some of the previous um, messages that Greg spoke about. Um, her name was Nancy, and, and she, just, she was just completely taken over and had a strength in her body because of being taken over that they had not experienced before. But the power of God in a believer who knows who they are and knows who the God that they serve was no contest for these forces, these spiritual wickedness in high places flowing through her. And I really believe that as we, as we desire to want to know what we can do, you know, there, there is a desire to want to, to be awakened, first of all, and to want to be involved in that awakening in the fight, on the good side of the fight, but not knowing what to do. And as a believer, the fight starts with waking up every day giving thanks to our God, walking in purity, and believing with our whole heart who he is and the power of prayer. And then every single encounter we have walking in that authority, you will be amazed how many people that you will encounter where there will be healing, blessing, love, deliverance, the, the stopping of something evil just because of walking in the authority of Jesus. 
the bride needs to understand the roar that she has because of Jesus. See, the enemy knows there's no contest. Satan knows there's no contest against God himself. He goes after us because he knows that some of his, God's children don't know who we are. And that's where he can overtake it. And I know that one of my passions is that people understand deliverance ministry and how much God, not methods and programs, but really understand what the Holy Spirit of God on fire in a believer can do against the forces of darkness. And there are so many people held captive right now. Captive starting with fear. Do you know how many people are still completely racked with COVID fear? That it just paralyzes them. They, they get around, they function, and, and maybe, maybe have taken the bold, bold step to remove their masks. But they're still living in the conscientious fear that they try to hide in what might happen next. And these are people that need to know who God is and know the confidence. And so as we, as we live and move and have our being, there's a great power and a great roar within the body of Christ that can just help set so many of these people free. Um, so that is, that is just a, a passion that, that I have that people understand that because that's, that's the fight. The fight is in the spirit. The fight is understanding what you can do in prayer to break curses over people, to, to release angels over people. Take the authority that God has given you to tread on snakes and scorpions and activate it on behalf of people you know who are caught in strongholds, who are, who are struggling with oppression or temptation or crushing despair or fear. What can be done and in the fight in prayer? James 5.16 is no joke. It is truly great results are produced by a fervent, spirit-filled prayer warrior. And then when you interact face-to-face, humanly, you have that much more of an advantage to to lay hands on. But I'll tell you what, don't just think. See, it's still going to start with that confidence because I I happen to overhear, um, and before I pray, I'll just mention this. Um, I happen to hear the the great-granddaughter, an interview um, of the great-granddaughter of Smith Wigglesworth. Some of you may have known, great man of God, moved in in the spirit and miracles and healings. Well, there was a time in, uh, I believe he was in London, and he was doing these healing um, ministry events and sharing the gospel, and, and power of God broke out in these areas. And the government came against him at that time and arrested him for healing without a license, if you can imagine. So, you know, when you think about, you know, it's not, it's not just, just like in Jesus' day. It doesn't mean that in, in every time there's a laying on of hands and there's a healing that everyone will be happy. Those who are profiting through greed and power off of the sick and want their ways, you know, some of these, you've seen these commercials and certainly big pharma, these certain medicines, they perpetuate constant sickness. To heal one, add five more illnesses to you from side effects. Heal the next one, add another 12. And then by the time you're healed from that, you don't have a leg and, you know, maybe you have, you know, half your arm is eaten away from some other weird thing. They, it, it is a darkness that... If you go in for the tr- with the true healing of God, they're not happy. 
because it stops their stream of, of money. And that's what happened to Smith Wigglesworth at that time. The, the hospitals were losing money because the healing took them away from the people away from their doctor's appointments. They didn't need to see a doctor anymore. And so the medical community went to the government leaders, and, um, and so he was, he was shut down. And it just got me thinking, you know, there still is going to have to be a bold step of faith that we take. Because I think sometimes we wait like, okay, Lord, go ahead and roar, and I'm just going to wait for your power to descend, and then, I, then I'll feel good, and I'll feel strong, and, and it's all going to be great. No, right here, right now, in the midst of whatever, like he just described, what we can't see and what we can't hear humanly or what we can't experience, we believe by faith, we believe what the Word of God says. That And my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ever even begin to ask or think. The last part of that verse is the most important, Ephesians 3.20. According to the power that worketh in me. He expects us to step and know who we are accessing his power to do his will here on this earth. All throughout the word of God, you see God uses his people. He works through his people. And so right now, the battles can be won if we will just step in that kind of confidence. And that's the roar that is going to come in greater measure as people wake up, step up, and speak up. And really begin to show people who God is. Starting with just loving him. When was the last time you just shared with somebody that you're just so thankful for who God is? Thankful for... for, the greatness of him and the joy and the love that he gives. I mean, just hearing believers just not complain is kind of a miracle, you know, because so many of them complain. And so God just wants to uh, open our, our mouths and unlock more and more of our faith. And that is the first, that's the beginning of, of his roar. It is going to come in greater measure, but it's amazing how much more it will come in your life when you just start stepping right now. Don't wait for something to happen before you step. Step and then watch what will happen because you stepped. Scripture says, and as they went, they were healed. Remember that story when Jesus healed the, I think it was the lepers. As they went, they were healed. They stepped in faith. They didn't wait to get the guarantee of the healing. They believed the healing was theirs. So they went ahead and left. And as they went, they were healed. That's what God's asking. Let's just pray. Father God, thank you so much for the reminder that just believing is so, so important, and it is what you desire, God. Just that faith that, that becomes the testimony of who you are, and it really becomes the overcoming power in our life, as Revelation tells us. They overcame because of the blood of the Lamb, first of all, the word of our, their testimony, God, that as we testify in gratitude and worship and thanksgiving of what you've done, how we testify your move in our own lives, God. That is a huge second part. But then having a laid down life and just believing you no matter what, not waiting for things to be in a perfect arrangement, but to step right in the midst of no answers, maybe no strength, no uh, seeming power, but just pure belief in you and giving our all to that, not even unto death, 
that is the recipe for overcoming victory. And God, I just pray that you would continue. You are doing it, Lord. But to everyone hearing my voice now who has asked you, Lord Jesus, into their hearts, I pray that you would increase and strengthen their faith. Strengthen my faith as you have been. God, I am amazed at even in the smallest areas how much I've needed leaps of faith. Sometimes we can believe you for the big things, the, the things you're doing in the nation and in the world. But then when it comes time to just believe you, to get out of bed when we're dog tired, to believe you for a lost loved one that seems that we've been praying for for years and seems to be going further away from you than closer to you, but to just have this enduring faith, this steadfastness that will not be shaken, will not be tossed to and fro like waves in a sea, like James talks about. How can we expect to, get, to gain anything from you when we pray? If we are doubting, God, I just pray that you would strengthen everyone's faith. And God, show them, show them who you are, Lord. You are so faithful. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. You are so faithful. That is the greatest proof to me of your power and your love is how consistently you are there. You never leave. You never forsake. You're constantly available to speak. And I thank you for pointing, Greg, where you did in your word. And, and Lord, I know for, for me, even just taking me to the story of Elisha and the prophets of Baal and be, right before that, the widow of Zarephath. Yeah, there's so many exciting, amazing things in your word that show us who you are, your power, your character, your faithfulness, your love. So, God, I just pray that you would just encourage our faith today. As we see, yes, things are going to get darker, but it is going to be for the freedom of those who are captive. It is going to be for the deliverance of your people, for the release of your remnant to enter into the promised land. So, God, we just thank you. We thank you for the story of the children of Israel and how many things can be applied to right now. And, yes, Pharaoh made it much worse for them right at the time they were hopeful to be let go. The oppression of the government started to clamp down more and more and more and made it harder for them. And we will see that. We will see attempts to oppress and to crush. But God, no weapons, nothing formed against us will prosper. God, if you are for us, who and with what impact can anyone have who is against us, God? Because you are our God. So I just pray that you would just encourage us in your word, in your ways, in your love. And let us walk, God, above this realm in in the kingdom place where we seek you first, Lord Jesus. Your kingdom, your righteousness, and then all else will be added unto us. Thank you for this word, God. Just let it be embedded deeply within us, Lord. Let it produce a great harvest of more and more faith, more and more belief as we take it to heart. And, Lord, I just love you. I just praise you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.